Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 242 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show has more than 20 years of experience in software design and architecture, leveraging his background in electronic engineering. He is a regular speaker at local and international conferences on software development and agile methodologies, as well as author of Grokking Functional Programming. He says that he is convinced that software development is hard, very hard. So welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast, Aslam Khan. Thank you for really good to be on the on the podcast. So I wanted to pick up on that uh, statement just at the end of the intro. So you're convinced that software development is very hard. Can you possibly give us some insight into why you think that's the case? I don't think there's a single day in my life when I've been writing code or thinking about building some kind of solution when a few moments later you realize that you're actually butting your head against things that you actually don't understand enough about. It's a crazy combination of trying to understand the problem that you're trying to solve, which may absolutely be nothing to do with writing code. It is about understanding the business, understanding the problem that you're solving for a particular person or community. And so you're actually trying to solve two problems at the same time. You're trying to understand what it is that you're what you're trying to solve for in basic terms and you have very little knowledge of it and at the same time you're trying to apply some kind of design insight in, in using the tooling that you have so it's two things playing at the same time and i don't think that's easy i really think it's hard a lot of the times i think we're accidental in our solutions it happens to work out yes well, well hopefully it does i mean you obviously mentioned the word solutions at the end there and i think that that is probably the key to it, isn't it? It's about making sure you solve the right problem in the right way and produce the right solution, which, as you say, can be difficult when you're trying to apply sort of very much standard techniques around design, for example. We're still learning about design. The patents industry is a very young 20-odd years, the concept of software patterns and design patterns. Uh, design thinking and systems thinking is becoming more and more prevalent. But it's it's all a few decades old. And I still feel like we're novices in that. And so we're just scratching the surface of what good design looks like, what good design means, and how we actually create value for people. And I think it's going to go on for a while. I think you're right. Yeah, inevitably. So, Aslam, can you share with us a career tip, one that the audience may not know and perhaps should? I've changed jobs a few times, not a lot. I think over my career, I've changed. I went from my first job, which I le- I kept for five years, and then another job for about three or four years, and then I started my own consulting company. And I think over the last 20-odd years, I've changed jobs about four times. And what I've reflected on is that I've never changed jobs for money. I've changed jobs so I could learn more. And I sought out people from whom I could learn. And I think that has been the big thing in my life. The consequence of that is that after a while, you learn a lot. And after a while, people come to you 
to learn from you. And so you end up building some really meaningful relationships that actually have lasted me my entire adult career. And the money matters tended to sort themselves out in the end um, and still do. So in a nutshell, don't change jobs for money, change jobs to learn. I think this is the message. Yes, indeed. It's a, it's a balance, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah, un- understanding obviously what what you're trying to get out of a job, and obviously if you do go into a job just for money, yeah, there, there is the risk, isn't there? There that you just won't be motivated to actually perform. I've seen that several times or many times, and I do understand. Uh, for many people, it is out of necessity. Um, in the country and I live in uh, South Africa, where we have incredibly high unemployment rates. A career like this in software is in some ways a get-out-of-the-ghetto card. And some people do it just because they need to have some income in their family and in an extended family. And I understand that. But we've we've got to do something a bit more than that and give back in some ways as well. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned those sort of socioeconomic drivers that, yeah, do matter to people as well. Yeah, it does. So, Asim, can you share with us your worst IT career moments and what you learned from that experience? Yes, I can. I actually thought about this. Uh, it's it's very obvious to me. There was a, a project around 2006 that I was working on. I had the responsibility to lead that project as a very senior person in, in the company I was working at. And, and the context is important here because, uh, firstly, the project was something we coveted for about two years and we finally got it and we we're really excited. It was the largest project in our history as a company. The other context point is that it's 2006, it's in South Africa, it's a mere 10 to a dozen years after the fall of apartheid, so we're a 12-year-old democracy, and we're toddlers at democracy. And long story short, this project just surfaced old wounds of the past that have not been healed, of people of different color, gender, ethnic origin, tribal bias all together in one big melting pot of what the tier 40 people and those differences served incredibly quickly to the point where I had people in the team naming each other racist, white supremacist, and all sorts of things. Wow. And I was yes. young and I was a young leader and I floundered. Uh, it was incredibly intimidating, had no idea what I was doing. And in the end, the project failed but I think it failed for the right reasons in that we couldn't reconcile. It was the one and only time where an industrial psychologist was brought in to help the team and work through that. It affected me a lot. It took me about two years of reflection. And eventually I gained the courage to talk about the lessons from that conference, from that at a few conferences in Europe predominantly. I didn't feel the courage to talk about it back in South Africa. And I think, I think another two years later before I started sharing those lessons in my own country. And that led me to talk a lot about diversity going back to about 2008. And I found my voice because of that experience. So the worst IT career moment was that, but I think it changed my career for the better. Yeah. I mean, that must have been some experience as well to go through that at such such an early point in your career. Yeah. You know, I had gone into that excited because of the problem that we were solving and the nature of the problem. And what I was confronted with was completely left field. In hindsight, it was something I should have expected. But very, very quickly, it brought to the fore old feelings uh, of how 
we grew up in a divided society and how we're actually still trying to work together. And it, it was a tough one for everyone. Yeah. I suppose 12 years isn't a long time, is it really? And obviously there are still people who have the original mindset um, and that's difficult to overcome. I think uh, 12 years is just a flash when it comes to societal changes. And this one was dramatic. I mean, the world saw Nelson Mandela being released in 2002 or 1992. And that is still fresh in everyone's minds. And, and we were living off uh, an inspiration. But the reality is this is what it is. I still see the same issues, though, uh, for, uh, in teams these days. Maybe not extreme in the way I experienced it in that moment in time. But these social dynamics in teams uh, actually still happen. And we find different ways of coping with it and find different ways of surfacing them as well. Yeah, I think we could have a whole podcast episode alone on on that one subject but um, <laughs> yes it is yeah it's it's a big one and uh, certainly one that ought to be explored further but um yeah we need to we need to move on <laughs> yes of course maybe we we go back yeah. to but yes so aslam can you share with us maybe your career highlight or greatest success i wish i could go back and say there was this one piece of code or one single project that stood out as a highlight that you know could be chiseled on my gravestone and say that he did that you know but i think there have been some firsts in my career but actually those are not that important and i think we will all find some firsts in our own lives i turned 51 this year in january um and i've been thinking what would the highlights reel of my career would look like and I think it will consist of a few very impactful relationships and me taking some critical feedback from good people and images of me grimacing along the way. Um, <laughs> I, I, th- I think that it's only in recent years, and I'd say maybe in the last two years, where a highlight that I've come to, to become comfortable with is feedback that I've received that I I find ways to explain complex concepts in in an accessible way to other software developers. Most recently, last week, I was at a conference in Europe, uh, DDD Europe, uh, talking about functional programming and logic programming in domain-driven design. And the feedback I received was that was made accessible uh, in a way that was comfortable for people watching that. And I think that's a talent that I have, and I've and I and I appreciate that feedback. But it took a long time for me to recognize that I do have that talent. And I would say that's a highlight. And the relationships I've built up have been meaningful, and I received that feedback as well. So, yeah, I think that is what it, what stands out for me in my career, as opposed to a single moment in time. It's, it's a sum of all these little things. Sure. And, and you enjoy the conference speaking, presumably. You, you seem to do quite a bit of it. Oh, gosh. You know, I had taken a break for about three, four years, uh, simply because I felt I had nothing to say. I do enjoy it, and I... At the same time, it's intimidating. The reason why I started speaking at conferences because living in South Africa, it was expensive to get to a conference out of the country. And there were people there from whom I wanted to learn. So the cheapest way was for me to speak and not go as an attendee. <laughs> and that was the loophole I found in my employers, right? So, hey, I'm speaking. I got accepted. So, yeah. So now I use it as a way to just connect with people and share some of my thinking and and, and I think that's valuable, and to get feedback on that. Asim, what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT? So there's the notion that, you know, IT industry changed at an incredibly rapid rate, 
and you've got to keep up, otherwise you'll be left behind. I have a different view about that. I tell you what excites me is that I've learned that software development, especially as a career, is incredibly forgiving. Yes, things change fast, uh, but the underlying concepts always take decades to become mainstream. And I think that if you're smart about your career, you'll always find time to catch up no matter what. I was late to the curve when it came to SQL databases, but when I got in there, I caught up very quickly. The other aspect, so it's forgiving. You can try things, you may get some things wrong, but there's a chance to do other things and to correct yourself in a very comfortable way. The other thing is that it's a crazy field. You get to exercise extreme critical thinking in a very, very logical way, rational thinking. And at the same time, you can express an extreme level of creativity. And those are left brain, right brain things, and there's a place for both. And so it feels like a career path that is accommodating for many, many people of various characterizations or personality traits or or biases, you know, or, or strengths. And I see that. And you could enter it from any moment in your life, right? So I've worked with linguists, uh, marine biologists, artists, musicians, all end up uh, in some kind of way being attracted to this industry. There's a lot to be excited about. I think it's infinite and we're just at the beginning of it. We are. Um, we obviously, uh, earlier, I think you touched on the, the point about accessibility as well. So is, is that something that you're seeing more of or do you feel that's going to continue? We're talking about accessibility in terms of people that are that are disadvantaged in some way. Is that well, well yeah. So uh, yeah, accessibility in the yes, in being able to actually join and and uh, yes. become part of this industry. Yeah. yeah. In my first job, I actually worked with someone who was uh, had a spinal injury from a diving accident at a swimming pool and uh, paraplegic, and had a glove with a little stick in his hand and typed with one hand and he was an incredibly good C programmer and we worked on projects together and and there's ways that you can get get going with that. More recently worked with someone who was blind with a braille keyboard and there were people in my team, I didn't work with him directly coding, but people in my team where he was pair programming with a braille keyboard. And so It is this kind of industry that allows you to be able to do those types of things. A lot of it happens in our mind, and the keyboard and mouse is just a way to express it, to make it real. And I think it will get better, Phil. I think there's a lot of people building software that are a lot more conscious about accessibility. Good. Okay. Asam, we're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? Yes, I am. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? I didn't want to be a doctor. My father was a doctor. My mother was a doctor. My brother's a doctor. My other brother's a pharmacist. They married doctors. They married pharmacists. And we were a medical conference making. And I didn't want to do that. And there was something at that age in the early 80s or mid-80s about computers. And I taught myself to program on a Commodore 64, uh, which I had saved money to buy. And at the end of that, I actually wanted to learn how to build a computer, the actual electronics of it. And that's what led me to electronic engineering. And I didn't practice as an electronic engineer. I wrote software in my first job. And here I am. (laughs) Right. What is the best career advice you've ever received? 
Oh, very, very early in my career, someone told me the compiler really doesn't care if you're macho or not. And, uh, and so it didn't matter how, how big your ego was when you're sitting and writing code and a fancy line of code really didn't matter at all. And the query optimizer really doesn't care how fancy your line of code is. What really matters is how you share your code with other people. So that stuck with me very, very early on. Uh, uh, it was a puncture <laughs> to my ego and it helped me, I think, uh, more yep. than the person realized. And what is the worst career advice you've ever received? I ended up in a, in a debate with my boss who was trying to convince me that if I stayed at that job, I will make an incredible amount of money. And that would just change everything in my life. And the problem was that it wasn't the nicest of play. I was being stifled and had nothing to do with the money. And, uh, and the discussion was always about you could actually just stash some cash right here right now and it'll change your life and and I think it would have changed my life in the wrong way for what I wanted. If you were to begin your IT career again in today's world, what would you do? I think I would work and study at the same time. I would love to have the opportunity to go back and work at my career and study at the same time and I think I would learn different things concurrently. I learned different things while working and I learned different things while studying. Yes, there's an overlap. There's a Venn diagram there, but that benefit would have been significantly different from the past. Yeah, that sort of ties in with your continual learning coming to the beginning. Yeah, yeah, it is. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? A few different dimensions. At the moment, I'm interested in nature of scale. And embedded in that is this thing called feedback that we talk about a lot and uh, we use it implicitly. Uh, so I'm trying to understand that a lot more and apply it in what I'm doing. And at the same time, I'm trying really hard to be a better leader, a lot more supportive for other people in my lives and, and in their careers. And I spend a lot of time with other people and I think they know who they are. So it is on those two, it is on those two levels occupies a lot of my t attention these days. What's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? That's a good one. Uh, being self-aware, being able to receive critical feedback of myself, uh, revealing my blind spots. And that was just the first thing. And thereafter, it is what am I going to do with that information and reflecting and self-awareness to find ways to change my behavior for the better. It's actually been a big deal. Yeah, more than any coding. More than any yes. coding thing. I think when it comes to coding and stuff like that, we'll always find ways to learn it. Um, that's the easy part. That's grinding through stuff. And what do you do in your own career to keep yourself energized? I hate repetition of work. I hate doing the same thing over and over again. And I've consistently been able to seek out difficult problems to solve. Well, difficult for me. I wouldn't say it's difficult for everyone, but difficult for where I am in my career and in my life. And interesting people to work with to help solve them. That I find keeps me energized. I'm, I'm a starter and I enjoy breaking the backs of problems, but I'm terrible at closing out. So, <laughs> so I need other people around me. And I turn work away 
just to keep energized by picking out problems that I, I am going to enjoy. And what do you do in your spare time away from technology? I read a lot. I read widely from history to things around art, uh, a lot of nonfiction. And every now and then I'll pick up a thriller and read through that because it doesn't require me to think too much. And when I'm really exhausted, I'd watch low-budget movies or something that does not require me to engage in any meaningful way. <laughs> and that just helps me, you know, uh, detach from what I'm busy with at the moment. So that helps, yeah. Asam, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT career and as an audience? The one thing I've learned is that we don't have a choice. Uh, we will end up in some way leading other people and... Whether you like it or not, you will end up in that position, and it is for the better. And the way I think about leadership is very simply, it is about the relationship between truth and structure and the conversations we have. I always say that truth has integrity, and if I can't tell the truth, then I won't speak a lie. And it goes for my day-to-day tiny moments and for the big moments. And then the structure of things, whether it's a structure of a piece of code, a single function, a class, or the structure of your work or society, those things should generate a conversation and a dialogue. And if it doesn't, then the structure needs to be changed. And that is part of being a leader, subscribing to the truth and the structures around you and having conversations about them. So yeah, I think uh, career advice, you're not going to like it but you will end up being a leader, so lean into it. <laughs> yes, I think you can be a leader in many ways, and at some point, yes, you will be. Yeah. Yes. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? I think the simplest way is follow me on Twitter. I'll follow you back, and you can DM me, and then we'll find ways to connect. I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, so if you search for me on LinkedIn and send me a connection request, I'll I'll more than likely connect back to you and share, you know, private emails and things like that and phone numbers. Uh, yeah, that's the quickest way to find me. Aslam, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you very much for wonderful questions. Really, really appreciate the privilege of being able to share a little bit of what's worked in my life and my career. Thank you very, very much. Hi, Phil here again. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with today's guest. You can find full show notes on the website at itcareerenergizer.com e and the number of the episode you've been listening to. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, please make sure that you do so that you get episodes automatically downloaded to your device every Monday. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.